Welcome to episode 194 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. This is the Observing with Mike Rector episode. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love going out and looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So today we have a special guest with us who is Mike Rector. He's the creator of the Adirondack Astronomy YouTube channel. Yeah, Mike, welcome to our podcast. Uh, We're excited to have a conversation with you today. Well, thanks for having me. I've listened to you guys since pretty much the beginning of your podcast, I think. I, I found you guys on 365 Days of Astronomy. It was, I believe, you're only five or six episodes into your podcast when I found you. Wow. Oh, wow. And, and you stayed listening to us, so that's <laughs> oh, a yeah. good thing, I guess. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Both episodes every week, I, I listen to them all. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Chris and I once in a while talk about the very first episode that we recorded and, <laughs> and just some of the changes that we've made to improve it. And we're like, should we record that first one? Because, you know, the, a lot of people will listen to the intro to the podcast sort of uh, episode and, you know, we just leave it as is. But we, we acknowledge that it wasn't quite as polished then as it is now. <laughs> That's right. I mean, if you went back and you looked at some of my first sketch videos, you'd see that that was not very good either. But they're still there. <laughs> I did. I, I watched the first ones yesterday because I hadn't seen those. <laughs> and and so I think I watched the first dozen or so. I thought they were great. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I yeah. look back on them. I'm just like, oh, those weren't good sketches. The videos themselves weren't as good. But hey, if you guys like them, then hopefully other people do too. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. You know, I was reading actually in, in some of the, the comments, um, both new and old comments. And um, I thought it was pretty cool anyway, that, that several of your uh, listeners um, or your viewers uh, for the Adirond- Adirondack Astronomy uh, YouTube channel are, are the same as those we have with our, uh, with our podcast. So I thought that was kind of neat. So we have, we have a lot of the same uh, audience, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. I know I've mentioned you guys a few times over on Twitter and other people have mentioned, oh yeah, I listen to those guys too. So it, it is nice that there's a, a community of visual observers out there that enjoy doing what we all enjoy doing too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is pretty cool. And, and, um, uh, Chris and I have talked about this lots in the past too, that we really enjoy having somebody else on the episode to talk to about, uh, you know, what we do, um, uh, you know, because of the similarities too, as, as, uh, as we've talked about here, um, if anybody hasn't checked out your YouTube channel, they really should, because your, your sketching and observing videos are, are really quite cool and and like they're very easy to consume because i i think you do them in in kind of like short durations and, and is that the majority of them yeah i try to keep most of my videos under five minutes like my sketch videos sometimes i even struggle to get them to three minutes so it's i try to keep them in the the three to five minute range just because i know a lot of people's attention spans are just not all there i mean i'm the same way sometimes i'll yeah. look on a video and a minute and a half into it, I'm like, all right, skip a little bit further, okay, a little bit further, okay, I'm done. So I totally yeah. get it, but I try yeah. to keep it short. So hopefully they see that it's a short video and they'll just stick it out for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. So how did you get into astronomy? Um, well, I got my first telescope as a Christmas gift in 2010. It was a Celestron Astromaster 114 EQ, which is a Bird Jones design. And that pretty much introduced me to astronomy. 
Um, I've always liked looking up at the sky. Uh, when I was younger, I'd use a pair of binoculars to look up at the moon. I looked into Orion. I'm pretty sure I saw the Orion Nebula with binoculars as a kid, but I didn't know what I was looking at. Um, so yeah, that's that's really what got me into it, though, was that getting that as a Christmas gift. Oh, that's so the, awesome. So the cool. Bird Jones design, that's, that's one of the, it's like a Newtonian, but it has a glass plate in the front that doesn't crack. Is that... Is that the way those work? I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not even sure what it. It's something to do in the focuser, I think. Oh, I think okay. There's a glass piece in the focuser to correct oh, okay. for any aberrations or something like that, and hmm. it makes it difficult to attach a, a camera to. So if you're looking into doing astrophotography, you want to stay away from that, as far as okay. I'm aware, anyway. Okay. Okay. Do you still have that telescope? I do. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You know, one of my regrets is I don't have my first telescope that I ever received or bought. I, I, it was my first one was, Oh, I don't even remember what it was anymore. Um, but it, you know, insert kind of your typical, you know, big box store telescope. Um, that's what it was, but yeah. Anyway, I kind of wished I still had it just for nostalgic reasons, I guess. Yeah. I had really the only reason I still have mine. It just, kicking around for nostalgia reasons. Yeah. 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 I, I, st- I, I think mine is probably around somewhere, but it's just like, almost looks like a finder scope or something that my, my uncle had given me. And it was, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, one of those ones with the focuser that you kind of pull the eyepiece in and out of almost mm-hmm. like a little pirate scope kind of thing. Oh anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a piece of trash. And then my Celestron eight inch daub disintegrated eventually because of moisture. So <laughs> And that's no good. Um, Mike, when, when you started off, was it just observing or did you, were you sketching kind of right from the the beginning? Well, when I first started off, it was, it was mainly just visual for the first couple months I was trying to fix. So I saw all these cool things. The very first thing I ever saw through the eyepiece that I discovered on my own was NGC 457, the owl cluster Mm, mm -hmm. up in Cassiopeia. And, uh, I I thought that was awesome. And just seeing things like that, I was like, I got to find a way to share this with people. Like that was the first thought I had in my head when I started seeing this stuff. So I was trying to figure out ways to hook up a camera to the eyepiece so that I could take pictures. But at the same time, I had to manually track for those long exposures, which was not easy. Mm. And, and also I didn't quite know what an EQ mount was. So I was just setting it down and pointing it wherever I wanted to go. I had no idea about polar alignment. (laughs) so yeah yeah. so i mean that's yeah that's and then i just i after i struggled with um with imaging i started doing some sketches i I found some old sketches that i did in in later 2011 a couple dumbbell nebula sketches ngc 457 i did one of the coat hanger cluster or asterism so so yeah it was mainly just visual and sketching when i first started yeah, that's awesome. Um, was it always uh, like white on black paper or did you start off kind of, you know, maybe how I, you know, I, I, I assume most people would start off with just like a regular pencil and white paper. Yeah, I used some printer paper and a random pencil I had in the house. <laughs> and then I went out and I got a, a set of regular graphite pencils with different hardnesses so that I could work on blending and shading and all that good stuff for like Nebula. But with just a regular pencil, you could do open clusters, no problem. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I guess we should maybe get into the gear a little bit. Um, what telescopes and binoculars are are you using? 
Well, the main telescope I'm using right now is an Apertura 12-inch Dobsonian. I've been using that for all my sketches since June. Uh, anything before that was mostly my Celestron 8-inch uh, SCT telescope that I got. And uh, there's a couple sketches I did with an old 6-inch Newtonian I have. Um, I also have a pair of Orion Scenic 7x50 binoculars that I like to... Like, if I'm not going to drag out the telescope, I'll just step outside and I'll have a quick view of a few objects from my front yard with those. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. How, how do the views compare? So, or, or, or how are the views different, maybe, between the 8-inch uh, Cassegrain and the 12-inch uh, Newtonian? Well, I definitely notice. Um, so one of the things that I can that I have compared with uh, the eight inch and the twelve inch um, was the Leo triplet. Um, there's the two Messier objects. I can't remember what their numbers are. Were they sixty four and sixty five? Somewhere around there. I, I don't know off the top of my head. But then there's an NGC object, and that one I could not really see with the eight inch telescope. With the twelve inch, it it was right there. There was no mistaking it for anything else. So it mm -hmm. really helps bring out some of those dimmer objects that I wasn't able to see even in uh Bortle six skies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And, and your 12 inch, I think is a solid tube. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. the solid tube. Yeah. yeah I, I watched, uh, I watched the un unpacking of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I was so happy like a kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, pretty that's... awesome. That you know what I like best about that video is though is is your dog was digging a hole in the background the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she loves to do that. Yeah, I I also like appreciated the the struggles of trying to fit it into your vehicle for transportation there i, I was following that on twitter and uh oh, i can yeah. relate to trying to stuff gear into a vehicle and, and make it all work and and a 12 inch is no a, a 12 inch solid tube is is no easy feat to fit into a, a vehicle <laughs> no it really isn't it's it's funny because i when i ordered the telescope i took measurements and i was like yeah that's not going to fit in my car so I, I knew that going into it, but I was like, I'll find a way. <laughs> and I did. I ended up finding a way. I, I slide it in from the passenger side in the back seat. And then once I get to the other door, I slide the, the mirror and down behind the passenger seat, which I move forward. And it kind of stands the telescope up. And then in the back of my car, there's those little uh, hooks that you can use for uh, car seats for, for babies. And I use bungee rope or bungee strap to keep the telescope from flopping around when I'm driving. So I ended up figuring it out, but it took me a while. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, I, I don't know if you had these, Mike, or even you, Chris, but when like in elementary school, we would have these aptitude tests, you know, to determine, I guess, where your, your natural strengths were <laughs> kind of reminds me of those aptitude tests of like yeah, space relations. Kind of and felt things. like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't very was good at it putting the square pegs in the round holes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike, what do you like to observe? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I, I honestly like all the objects. I mean, it's really hard to pick a favorite. I mean, when I was really into imaging, I loved um, uh, planetary nebula. They're small, but they're, they're really colorful and they're bright and they really just stand out among the like field stars. So I always liked the way those looked. I really like galaxies and nebula the most though, I think. Like, yeah, just 
like uh, Orion Nebula and, and stuff like that. The Eagle Nebula, Trifid, all those, all those famous Nebula. Yeah. Yeah. Those are amazing to look at. Are you, are you working on any uh, observing lists like Messier or, or uh, Herschel 400 or anything like that? I have never observed all the Messier objects in the 12 years that I've been into astronomy. So I really need to focus on trying to get all those objects in. So I want to try and get those in before I try and move on to other things, but I'm, I'm easily distracted. So I'll, I'll have a list and I'll be like, okay, so these objects are the ones I want to observe tonight and I'll get out and I'll, I'll kind of scan the sky through the eyepiece and I'll find something else that's interesting. I'm like, well, to heck with this list. I'm going to look at this <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, it looks like you really like kind of focused down on an object, like, you know, from, from what I've been able to gather. So yeah. I, I really appreciate that style of observing. I kind of do that a little bit as well. Like when I started, I was more focused on the list. I did the Messiers. And then after doing the Messiers and working on a pile of the NGCs, I kind of switched over to that style of observing because you go out and like, at least in my experience, you go out and then the sky conditions or something doesn't meet up with what's on the list. And then you just, you know, you just, like you said, you just go out and you pick something and then you sort of start drilling down on that and maybe a few other objects. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's one night I went out and I couldn't really make out Andromeda and it was clear. And I was like, well, why can't I see Andromeda? So I just switched over to doing, um, doing, uh, open clusters and globular clusters instead, because the, the, any faint objects were pretty much washed out. There must've been some high thin clouds up in the atmosphere, just kind of blocking the view. Hmm. Cool. Sure. Go ahead, Shane. Oh, sounded like you had a question there before. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering, you know, sort of speaking of, of uh, like the atmosphere and like your, your observing conditions there, uh, Mike, I was wondering, had, have you been up to the uh, Adirondack Astronomy Sky Center, whatever it's called over there? I, I, I've seen that online before. I was just wondering. Uh, yeah, if you've the uh, Adirondack Sky Center. It's out in Tupper Lake, which is about an hour and a half or so away from me. Um, I haven't been out there in a while. I think it was 2014 or 2015 was the last time I went out there. But I, I really do need to get out there again soon because it is really really nice out there and it's really set up for summertime too because right down the road is a campground and a lake with a beach so cool i mean that would be perfect go and observe until like three four o'clock in the morning in the summer and then go to your tent and wake up at six in the morning when the sun comes up <laughs> sounds like paradise yeah <laughs> I, I was looking at that place and it looks like it looks like it has a huge roll-off roof in it with a pile of different telescopes is is that how they're set up is the it was what? It like did they have a big roll off roof? Oh yeah. There with, yep. Yep. They got with, a big roll off roof. Um when I was there, it was just a little switch that you use to to run the motor to, to open up the roof and close the roof. Um one of the coolest things I think at that Sky Center was um the Everest telescope that they have. They call it the old town pump. And it's oh. it was built in nineteen twenty. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And it was built by a guy, uh, A.W. Everest. Oh. He, um, when he passed away, he wanted the telescope to be used and not just go into a museum. So um, it ended up going to a school and they found out 
his, I think it was his son. They have all the information about this on the Adirondack Sky Center website. But if I remember correctly, his son found out that that this, the telescope wasn't being used. Parts and pieces were stolen off of it. So they actually went and retrieved it and held on to it. And that was like, I think in the 60s. And I think in like 2010 or somewhere around there, maybe 2006, um, the Sky Center reached out and wanted it. And that's how they ended up with it. Huh. What is it? Like a big refractor? Yeah. Yep. Huh. I think, it, think it's a big refractor. Oh, boy. No, I yeah. now I don't know for sure. No, no worries. We're not this is this is an expose. We're not putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. If any listeners want to know for sure, if they go to the Adirondack Sky Center website, you can actually read all the information on that telescope, how it got its why it's called the old town pump and and the guy who made it and his life and his son. So you can find all that information right there. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. We actually have uh, quite a few listeners in New York um, and then Long Island as well. So really, yeah, yeah. There's there's a few people that have reached out over the over the uh, years we've been doing this. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, cool. so maybe they'll look it up there and and check it out if they haven't already. I'd be interested to hear more about that. Maybe somebody's been up there and take some photos or something. That would be super cool. I'll have to go out there. And maybe I'll uh, make a YouTube video about that. That would be cool. Yeah, that I think be that'd really be a cool. lot of fun. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so yeah, that... you what's that? I was just going to say that would be really neat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of YouTube, uh, I watched, uh, I watched your, uh, refreshing views interview with our, with our mutual friend, uh, Mark Radici there and, uh, appreciate the shout out you gave to us and the, the observing chair advice we were, we were extolling around that time. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I was looking for observing chairs. I was contemplating building my own, buying one. I wasn't quite sure what to do. So I ended up buying one cause I didn't really have all the tools and stuff needed for, uh, <laughs> for making it myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I really like your, uh, your short and really information packed, uh, videos that, that you put out, you know, I I've made a few sketching videos myself and put them online. <laughs> And really, I know I'd, how I'd like to see those. Yeah, I can definitely send you send you the links. They're they're okay, but it's it's really tough to do it. And then you know the way that I was doing it is I, I I'll do like a study of an object or a set of objects, and I'll kind of bring them inside either on my desk here or on just like the table at my cabin, and kind of just sort of work through the objects. And then when I was watching your videos, like making those sketches live in the field, I was like this is ridiculous. Like, it's so hard to do it in my office. <laughs> and I was like, he's doing it in the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I heard of a couple different ways that people do it. Like you, like you were saying, you'll, you'll go out there and you'll do like a rough draft, just kind of some star placements, a quick rough draft, rough idea of where the nebula or whatever the object is that you're looking at is located. And then you go inside and on a different piece of paper, you'll kind of transfer that over and smooth out the, the finer details to it, but I don't know. I, once I'm done observing the object, I'm, I'm done with the sketch. That's, yeah. that's it. I don't want to do anything else. The most I'll really do is kind of round out my stars maybe, or, or maybe make a quick adjustment to, Oh, this part, I made that a little brighter than I should have. Let me dim that. Or this isn't bright enough. Let me add a little more pastel to it or something. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of found that, uh, like, and I think you mentioned it in your videos, just say like, sometimes you'll sketch it too dark. Because you're sketching under low light, yeah, and mm -hmm. that's definitely a challenge I've I've had as well. 
Yeah. Or sometimes I, I make it way too bright and, and then I get inside. I'm like, no, that nebula is not that easy to see. <laughs> yeah. And I find, and I noticed you're pretty good at sketching with the gloves on and that I'm not, I'm not that good at sketching with the gloves on. So <laughs> if I have to wear gloves, what I'll do is I'll just, it'll be very, very rough, but I'll, I'll kind of draw little circles inside the nebula or whatever I'm sketching and draw a line out and then annotate it with some detailed notes. And then when I get inside, you know, I know pretty, pretty quick, like we were observing, uh, the comet Neowise, um, uh, mm-hmm. my friend Mike here and, and I, and it was like six o'clock in the morning and it was minus 30 with the wind chill or whatever. And you just couldn't have your glove off. Right. And the sketch was, yeah. was pretty rough. And so I made two or three sketches and then drove home, got inside, hopped under an electric blanket and, and finished the sketch. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Mike, how long does it take you to do a, like just a typical sketch? Um, is it as, as short as the YouTube videos or is there a little more time involved in them? Oh, well the, the actual sketch itself, uh, from the time I start my camera to the time I hit stop on the recording is usually about 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, before I even start sketching, I'll, I'll get the object in my eyepiece. I'll figure out which eyepiece I want to use, how much magnification, kind of center it. And I, then I'll just spend a good 10 minutes or so just observing it. And I actually talk into my phone when I'm observing it before I sketch. And that's what I've started putting over my, my sketching time lapse that I put in my videos is my oh. observations before I sketch. Oh, yeah. that's wicked. That's yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that. So I'll, I'll do that and I'll... I mean, I'll talk the whole 10 minutes, but my, my videos are short. So I'll just take out little chunks that I actually want to use and put that in there. Huh. Oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. Like to, to really, uh, you know, capture what it is like to look through the telescope at the eyepiece. I, I think that's just uh, wonderful. Yeah. So the one thing I, I really like about uh, what you're doing uh, Mike is, is, and, and this helped me get going as a sketcher. So I'm not somebody with any kind of artistic background. And when I was trying to, to learn how to sketch, like I just had no idea where to start, but, uh, I was fortunate that I have uh, a few friends, like, like our friend Kathleen that, that we've had on in the past, um, who I was emailing with this week, uh, you know, I was able to kind of go out in the field with her and watch her sketch and then kind of bounce some questions off her. And then, and then kind of start up on my own. And I think like you're kind of doing the same thing sort of virtually in a way, because you, you will give those sort of instructions. Hey, like when you're, mm-hmm. when you're actually going through it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, especially on my, some of my earlier videos, I would, in almost all those videos I'd mention, you know, now I'm using uh, a charcoal pencil here for this reason. And I'm using a kneaded eraser for this reason. And I really went into that kind of detail, but I, I kind of, st- got away from that a little bit with more of my more recent videos, but definitely, uh, definitely nice to have that information. And sometimes I include, you know, the gear that I was using in the description of the videos too. So yeah. you know, I try to, that way, if people have questions, the answers are right there, or I can easily say, Hey, check out this video and look at the description. It's got all the information you need. Yeah. And I noticed like Shane, Shane asked a little bit about this already is, the, and I, and I noticed that in your early sketches, you were, you were just doing regular pencil, like regular graphite mm-hmm. on uh, white paper, or maybe it was like tractor feed paper or something. And, uh, and, and I noticed like, again, like you did switch to, to the, uh, 
white uh, pastel and charcoal on on the black paper technique. And I, I just wondered, um, you know, it looks like you didn't struggle as much as I did when I tried to make that transition. My, uh, my transition wasn't as smooth and I didn't know if you might have any advice for me in trying to transition over to that technique. Well, see, you didn't see that I struggled. That's, that's the fun part of my video is, the, is I was able to edit all that out. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> so when I first got the black paper and the white pastel and white charcoal, I uh, I actually used a old image, one of those early images I took with the the hand track telescope that I was oh, talking yeah. about earlier on. I took one of those images and I did a sketch of that. Oh, because that was really close to kind of what you were seeing through the eyepiece because they were so short exposures. They were like five to eight seconds at most. So they were really close to what you're seeing in the eyepiece, especially for like open clusters. And I I actually sat down and I did practice a couple sketches before doing anything out at the telescope just to kind of get a feel for the new material I was using. Oh, okay. And like, I have a question about that because yeah. so like when I tried to train, just transition over and it, it's a lot different sketching uh, white on, on black than I, I could have imagined. And so one of the things I found is the, I found the white materials tended to smudge a lot more mm-hmm. and they're not as easy to manipulate or erase after the fact. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with that. There's um, I have two different notebooks that I use. Um, one is a, the main one that I'm using right now is an Arteza notebook. It's a five and a half by eight and a half inches or 14 by 21 centimeters. Okay. And that one, it's uh, got 150 gram paper. So that one seems to work really good and it doesn't, um, it doesn't smudge very much. So that one holds on to the, the, the pastel and, and the charcoal very good but it does make it a little more difficult to do any kind of like fading out with nebula with the, with the, um, the little smudge tools or whatever you call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you tend to use like the gum eraser instead of the smudging tools, but like when you're, when you're using those materials or how do you do it exactly? Well, I do, I do use the, the gum eraser or the kneaded eraser to kind of pull off any extra graphite or charcoal or whatever's on the paper just that way i'm not blowing on it and accidentally spitting on the paper or you know i or i'm not wiping it with my hand and then smudging it so yeah yeah i I definitely i definitely use those use erasers for that but um the blending stumps that i use they they do work really good and i actually found that instead of drawing with the pastel pencil where the nebula is off to the side, I'll actually create like a little pile of pastel and I'll dip the, the blending stump in that. And then I'll use that to draw in the nebula or the galaxy. Oh yep. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've kind of done that with just the, uh, the regular graphite pencils and, and the blending stumps. Um, yeah. And I found that that helps keep, keep any smudging later on from happening because you're only applying a very small amount in that spot. So it's all kind of going into the crevices of the paper and all the nooks and crannies. So that seems to help with, with any of those issues. Okay. And, uh, and I, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but, but I'm curious because like, I did struggle a bit, like finding, um, like a, a charcoal pencil and a pastel, um, white pencil that, that would work. And I'll, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that maybe you can give us like the, the brands and like the exact specs on, on the ones that you have found. 
that worked the best because, and I'll t- tell you this, if you got to kind of look for them, there is something is that I, uh, when I started doing it, um, the ones that I picked, like the, uh, the leads kept breaking, like I couldn't get them as sharp as I wanted them. And then they would just break before I could, uh, like get them to that point. So I'd always be kind of using them too dull. And, um, then I found my, my images just weren't as precise as they were when I was using like the regular uh, black graphite. So I, I don't know if you have them handy there. It sounds like you're juggling your pencil case. So I'm hoping yeah, you can pull I, them I out. just, I wanted to get, so I had, uh, have the numbers that are on the pencils. So, um, let's see. Cause I'm probably going to go and buy, like when we talk, we're going to talk to Mary McIntyre in a couple weeks about about sketching as well. And once we're done with these conversations, I'm going to go and buy a new kit and try this out myself. So I'm, rec- I'm, I'm really appreciating the recommendations you folks are making. First, I will say when it comes to the, the tips breaking, when it's too sharp, that happens to me when I use the sh- pencil sharpener to sharpen the charcoal. So okay. usually what I do is I sharpen it to a certain point with the pencil sharpener. And then I have, with an old art supply kit I bought, it came with uh, this really fine sandpaper and okay. I'll just sharpen it with that. Oh, that's okay. what I use to get the extra fine points for, for smaller stars. Oh, okay. I have, yeah. I have that, that same, uh, it's like a little pad and it has the, I have that. I'm sure yeah, I have so the that's, same one. That's what I use. And then oh, okay. if it does end up breaking, I'll just quickly rub it on that real quick and just keep going. And that way I don't have to use the eraser and get, get, you know, the charcoal and the wood all over the place. Oh yeah. It's a mess. Make a mess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so that okay. helps with that. But Perfect. anyway, so, so the charcoal pencil I use is a general's charcoal white and the number okay. on the pencil is five, five, eight. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And the pastel pencil I use, um, I don't speak French at all. It's a Conti uh, Paris, I believe. Okay. Um, and it's a pastel zero one three. Okay. And I, and then there's another number on the pencil. It's 1355. So all right. I want, want to write down all those numbers or take yeah. note of all those numbers. We are recording this. So that's like, I was going to write them down, but I'm like, we're recording this and we're going <laughs> to, you know, uh, you know, hopefully like close to a thousand people will listen to it by this time next month. So it's going to be <laughs> out there. So, but yeah, I think I might have that generals one, but I think that, uh, and, you know, I had done some research, but I think my problem uh, was was trying to use uh, being overly aggressive with the pencil sharpener. Yeah. And it, it hadn't occurred to me to, to use that. Like I said, I'm I'm not uh, somebody who naturally uh, is is artistically gifted or anything like that. So <laughs> I really have to learn this stuff. So I think I think that uh, that bit there and then as well, I wasn't able to um, find uh, a pastel uh, pencil that worked. And sometimes Sometimes I find in the instruction stuff that I've read online, people aren't necessarily as specific as, uh, as, as I need them to be. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and see, that's, that's how I felt when I was getting into sketching and near like halfway through 2019, when I was starting to get into doing mostly sketching and kind of veering away from astrophotography, I was trying to get all this information. I could, nobody really, like you said, nobody really puts that information out there. They're just like, oh yeah, use a pencil in some paper. It's like, well, I know that. <laughs> yeah. But what kind of pencil, what kind of paper, what are you using? What's your technique? Like, like that's the kind of guidance I needed when I started. And then I was like, well, I'm going to share my, my path and my journey with other people. So hopefully if they have the same questions I did, I can answer it for them right on my YouTube channel. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. That's uh, yeah, that's super awesome. I, I just want to say, I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I also wanted to mention a secret, it. a secret weapon in, Ooh, in the sketching oof. with the black paper <laughs> that I never mention, but I I'm going to mention to you guys is a black pastel pencil. Okay. To, yep. to cover to cover up not even necessarily to cover up but sometimes say like the trifid nebula you draw the main shape of the nebula and then you have the dark lanes through it hmm. like the little dark sections well you could use an eraser but as uh, i think it was chris that was saying sometimes the pastel doesn't want to come off with an eraser well then you can really get the those dark lanes in with the black pastel pencil so just little things like that or just or yeah, sometimes you can use it to just cover up a mistake. It definitely will help with that. <laughs> so can I share my, my secret for that one? And so what can you give us the, the uh, make model and number of, of this black pastel that you're using first? The black pastel is also a Conti of Perry and it's pastel 009. Okay. Um, and the other number is 1355. So All that, right. that's similar to the white one. I'll tell you this. Um, and what's really cool about this is unlike most things with astronomy, this stuff is all relatively inexpensive. I think, I think my pencils are running like a buck and a quarter or something American mm -hmm. dollars. Is that, is that about what these, the yeah, Conti ones I think are more expensive. They might be $3 or something. Yeah. They're, they're a little more expensive, but I mean, it's a lot cheaper than buying a dedicated astronomy camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, so I got this and, and I'm going to, I'm going to recommend to try it, that you try this. I'd be really curious. So th this again is like a, a $3 pencil um, and it's a generals and generals is sort of like good, in my opinion, like good entry level mm -hmm. um, sketching material. It's not going to, and again, the cool thing is you're, you're not breaking the bank on this probably for, for a $20 bill, you can outfit yourself pretty good with uh, some pretty awesome uh, sketching material, but this one here. Uh, this is a, a general pencil. It's a Kimberly 525-9XXB. And I was just randomly pulling uh, pencils just to try to figure out what would make good um, like dark lanes and dark nebula and that kind of mm -hmm. material. And what I liked about the charcoal is how dark it was and how easily it spread, but I found like it would come off quite a bit. Eh? You've probably noticed this as well. Like it will come off the page. Yep. And what this is, what I understand this thing is, is it's like a charcoal pencil with probolis in it, which is like a bee wax. This is my understanding. It could be completely wrong. And so it has a, has a small sheen to it, but it's very, very min minimal. Like they've balanced keeping the charcoal together and it's almost like a crayon. So you can't really erase it. Like especially the way you're going to make your dark lanes. Yeah. But uh, it has a beautiful, very dark black to it. And uh, anyway, if you're ever looking to try a, to try an interesting dark uh, pencil for that purpose, um, that might be something you could experiment with as well. Like I said, yeah, absolutely. That's I'm always up for trying new things and seeing how they work. And if they end up working out, then they become a mainstay in my, in my equipment. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's become one of mine. And when I like I tried all kinds of different dark pencils for for my and everybody's different too, right? Like for my own purposes. And then uh, when I found that I, oh, I was like, I'm home. So what I'll often do is I'll make a sketch. And and when I do my final sketch, I actually go over it with that because then that kind of that locks it in. 
after yeah. that, like nothing's going anywhere. Right? <laughs> so, and yeah, it's better was, than using, go ahead. That was something that I had issues with when I first started with the sketching was all the stuff that would come off after you're yeah. done and, and then your sketch looks faded and it's like, well, it yeah. didn't look like that earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But this, uh, this pencil has sort of been a bit of a game changer for that. But uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta ask it a couple of questions though. Is, is, you know, you're making those videos. And like I said, when I was making videos like that, I'd get all set up in my office here, but you're in the field. So how the heck are you recording those? Well, it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the little intro part where I'm explaining, you know, that I've got an object in the eyepiece and this is what I'm going to look at. um, That I'm just holding my phone out in front of me and I'm holding my red light with my other hand towards me. And so it's, I don't have a tripod even I'm, I'm holding these objects as I'm, as I'm talking. So if you ever see the video shaking, that's just because I'm holding it at arm's length. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, um, the video of the sketch I'm using a, it's an action, uh, DJI Osmo action camera. It's kind of similar to the here. Um, what is the other brand? I can't even think they make the hero cameras. Like GoPro? Yes, GoPro. Thank you. Wow, I couldn't think of that at all. No, no, no. It's it's similar to the GoPro camera, but it's a little bit cheaper. So that's why I went with that. And it allow it's really good in 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 at nighttime. Like I'm sure you saw some of the more recent videos. Um Whoa, these are expensive. Look at them. Yeah. (laughs) They're not cheap. No, they're definitely not cheap. But I mean it a lot of a lot of the stuff for astronomy, I actually I collect bottles and cans from my job. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll take that and I'll take the money from that and I'll stuff it away. And then after a while I've got money to buy things. (laughs) That's how I bought the the Dobsonian telescope, (laughs) collecting bottles and cans. (laughs) That way I couldn't feel bad about spending my other money. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to just put a little bit of money aside every paycheck. And, you know, if I get some windfalls here and there for, for say a birthday gift or something like that, it goes into the fun account for astronomy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was doing the same thing. Like occasionally, you know, you got to pull out a $20 bill to pay for something, pull that out of the ATM, but you only had to spend like eight of it. So the, the $12, I'll take that and I'll put that away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It becomes money I can't spend unless it's for astronomy. So that's how I end up making money for astronomy. It's just kind of juggling money around like that. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's awesome. Nice. Good stuff. And so what are, what are you using like a clamp or something? And yep. There, it's, it's a little clamp that clamps onto a notebook or a tripod and it has a little, um, what are they? Inch and a quarter screw on the end so that you yeah. can screw on your camera. Oh, okay. And yeah. So I just screw on the camera and it's, it's about pencil height away from the notebook when it's recording. Like it's, I got to have the pencil at an angle when I'm drawing or else I'm going to hit the, the lens yeah. when it's recording. Cause it's really close. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could tell that. Yeah. Huh. And does, and so are you just using, it looks like you're using a, uh, like a reading light. Is it one of the amber reading lights that you've put a red filter over or what is it exactly? Is it a white um, light? I don't think it's technically an amber light. It It's not bright white, but it is a little softer on the eye, but it's not as yellowish as an amber light. So I, okay. I took a sandwich bag and I took a red magic marker and I colored the bag <laughs> red. And then I just wrapped it around the, the light and secured it with a rubber band. And that nice. keeps it dim and it keeps it red. So it's not 
ruining my my vision. Yeah, I gotta I gotta do that to mine. I I hadn't thought about doing that. I should have. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I bought one and it's an amber light. And even on the dimmest setting, um, my our observing friend Mike gets mad at me. So I gotta dim it down. <laughs> yeah, I try to use it on the dimmest setting when I'm out there, and sometimes even that's too bright, and I'll have to kind of cover cover it when I'm looking through the eyepiece or kind of angle it away from where I'm, where my eyes are so that I can look through the eyepiece and not have that little bit of red light seeping yeah. through. Cause sometimes even on a dim object, that red light will just wash it out. Yeah. I wonder too, like I noticed that you're doing lunar sketches and it looked like when you were doing the lunar sketches, um, it didn't look like you were filtering the light at all. Like, are you just using the white light when you do that or? Yep. Yeah. I take the, the red bag right off. No, no need for the red light when you're doing lunar observing. I'm already blinded by the by the moonlight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Are you sketching the moon with the 12 inch too? Or are you stopping it down or using another? Um, I have not sketched the moon yet with the 12 inch. Oh, okay. Um, I think I was saying before we started recording that I, my observing site right now is covered in snow. So I haven't even been out with the telescope since like early November. So I'm, I'm itching to get out. And I think the only way I'm going to be able to do that right now is in my own front yard with the, uh, with the streetlights nearby, just doing moon yeah. observations. So I'm going to have to yeah. get into doing that. Yeah, I can just good because I've wanted to do more moon observing anyway. But yeah, I think we're going to be locked out of our our sites for for a little while yet too. There's a there's actually a an eight by sixty foot snowdrift, um, 150 feet behind my house. Like it's so <laughs> big, it's ridiculous. <laughs> So yeah. Hey, so what's your favorite sketch you've done so far? Cause I, so I'm going to get you to tell me what your favorite, but I have a favorite sketch that you did of yours. Okay. <laughs> so, so what's your favorite sketch? My favorite sketch is actually two of them and they're, okay. they're the veil nebula, the Eastern and Western veil nebula. Those oh, are my okay. two favorites. Those were the first things I looked at after I got my UHC filter. And I have tried to find these objects for the longest time, for almost as long as I've had a telescope, I've tried to find these objects in dark skies, well, Bortle four skies and Bortle six skies. I've tried to find it and I could never make it out. If I did, it was maybe just a very faint hint of them. So yeah. I aimed this, the 12 inch telescope at it without the filter. in. I was like, I, I still can't really see any of this. This, this is crazy. This is a big telescope. I should be able to see it. So yeah. I, I mean, I was just, chalking it up to the the light pollution washing it out so i was like well let me pop this uhc filter on i put that on and and immediately my my jaw just dropped to the ground i was like holy crap <laughs> yeah yeah cool yeah, sorry yeah, that's an object that a filter really does help bring that out oh sure. it really does and i also made out the crescent nebula in cygnus but i didn't sketch that one i i really wish i did i'll have to do that next summer yeah, that's the one up by uh, Gamma Sig Nine. There isn't that's NGC six triple eight or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a nice one. Yeah. So, so the the sketch that I thought you did um, that spoke to me anyway was M thirteen, and you were being yep. very critical of it, which really surprised <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, even now looking back on my M thirteen, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm really, glad, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad other people <laughs> have liked it too. Just I, I don't know. It's, I guess it's the same as like a photographer, like they'll take a thousand pictures of the same thing, 
like out in the field, like say they're taking pictures of birds, they'll take a thousand pictures, but only one of them is one that they're happy with. But anybody else they show it to, they're like, wow, you've got a thousand great pictures. That's kind of how I felt with my M13 sketch. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't good, but it wasn't, I, I felt like I could have done better. So hopefully you, you know I'll do a better one. Well, you know, you know why I think that one shines is, and you know, it's difficult to capture everything, whether it's a sketch or like a photograph, I haven't taken many photographs, but like in a sketch, you kind of have to choose your battles, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to pick those features that you're drawing out. Mm-hmm. And I thought you did a really great job in drawing out. Um, I think you referred to them almost as like fireworks or tendrils or tentacles, or you, you made a great comment anyway, when, when you were yeah. talking about like those chains that come out. And mm-hmm. I thought you did a really uh, brilliant job at actually drawing those chains out. And like, if you just make it like a giant globular and then try to superimpose those on top, they might not have, have, uh, have stuck out as much as, as they did in the sketch that you made, which, which I thought was really good. See, I think, I think one of the things that makes me not like the sketch as much is like you said, I was, I was really focused on those, those, those chains coming out of there of M13. And I think I overdid it on the view of those. Like I made, I almost made it too bright. I think maybe I'm not really just something about it. Just, it didn't sit right with me, but I, I'm, I'm also not an artist. Like this is just, <laughs> this is just fun to me. I, I have fun yeah, doing yeah. it. It's relaxing to go out under the sky and just spend 30 to 40 minutes with an object observing it. Cause before I got into sketching, it was point at an object, look at it, be, Oh, cool. That's M13 next object. Yeah. <laughs> so this, yeah. this really gets me in there to, to look and focus. I never noticed those chains coming out of M13 until I started, started sketching. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, I, I just really like that because I, I think that um, it draws attention to those, right? Yeah. And typically, typically when you first look at a lot of these globulars, you just think it's like a circular fuzz. And then, mm-hmm. and then I think, uh, anyway, that one, that one looked pretty good. So I got to ask you, you were talking about a couple of sites. I think you get off to uh, a couple of Bortle 4 sites. I know you mentioned getting up near the Canadian border and into a friend, friend's place. But have you gone to any like of the dark sky sites? Like you're probably not too, too far from like Cherry Springs must be what, like three or four hours from you or something like that. Um, that's gotta be at least six. It, Cause it's is it really six that hours far, to get from where I live to New York city. Oh, so okay. It's gotta be at least six or seven hours. I'm not sure exactly where Cherry Springs is, but I would love to make it out there one of these days. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be a pretty good dark site as far as the, uh, the Northeast goes. So how far away would you be from like New Hampshire and the Stella? You've heard of Stellafane and what goes on yeah. there and all that. Yeah. Sure. I've so. never been out to Stellafane and I've wanted to go out there so bad. That's but probably not too far. No, it's, it, that's probably a couple hours away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of closer than the other side. Yeah. Cause I've gone to Neef down in Rockland County Okay. Yep. I've gone to that and that's about five and a half hours, six hour drive. If, if you're doing the speed limit and just sticking yep. to it the whole way. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I like, I'm generally from there. I spent a lot of time in like Maine and New Hampshire growing up. We have relatives, like I have family that, you know, is down in the Massachusetts area, but New York, I'm just not that familiar with. Like, it seems, you know, when you think of New York, you just, I think a lot of us just think of the city or maybe, um, you know, the island as well, but, uh, but it's, it's a pretty huge state really going all the way up to the Canadian border there. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's a long trip if you're trying to go from the top to the bottom of New York. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so you mostly observe just like in your, in your local, uh, sort of light polluted area and then, and then head out to a friend's site or, or that other, there, there's like another place you go up by a lake where there's like a bear or a coyote or something like that. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, that spot's the one that was covered with snow. So I wasn't able to go out and observe last night, even though it was clear. Yeah. 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 Well, we, yeah, we definitely have tons of snow here too. So we're, we're kind of locked out, uh, locked out of presence. So, so you've, uh, I was noticing like you're a big fan of the zoom eye pieces and I was wondering, I had to ask, like, are you interested in maybe getting some more fixed focal length eye pieces and maybe some more filters or kind of what are your sort of, uh, you know, coming up plans for the, for the future, Mike? So the main reason I like the zoom eye pieces is it allows me to find the, the magnification that fits best for the object I'm looking at without having to constantly change out eyepieces. Like, okay, here's a 24. Oh, no, nope. here, let me try a 16. Oh, no, let me bounce it up to a 20. I can get all those in just a single twist. Mm-hmm. And I love that because when you're out, and especially in the wintertime, yeah. like you don't want it. First of all, you don't want to drop an eyepiece on the ground no matter what, but you don't want to do it in a in snow. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all the, the changing of, of eyepieces, anything where you might have to take off your gloves. I try to avoid having to do that when it's zero Fahrenheit or negative 17 Celsius. Yeah. I, just, I can't, I don't want to do that if I don't have to. So I try to stick to the zoom eyepieces right. for, for the higher magnification. But I also, I do like the two, two inch eyepieces that I have that are wide field. Those are yeah. my two favorite eyepieces that I've been using the most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you think you're going to get any new eyepieces or are you going to expand your filter set? Cause it sounds like you really like the UHC filter. I was just curious where you might go in, in those directions as well. I think right now, my two main things that I'm going to buy is an O3 filter and an H beta filter before okay. I start looking into any more eyepieces. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I, I recently bought some of the uh, let's see, I bought some of the Lumicon filters and I yeah. bought a Teleview H beta, and I've been pretty happy with those. So, have you observed anything with your H beta yet? Oh, tons. Yeah. So i I owned an I own an H beta from Orion that I bought years and years ago. And the only thing that I don't like about it is the Orion threads are slightly different than other threads, but mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. I do like the Orion filters. I bought an O3 and I bought an H beta together and they came in. You'll like this story. And I, I take them out and I had a friend, like one of my best observing friends, observed with him for years, very careful guys, worked on my equipment and, um, and he wanted to try, he said, I never tried an O3 filter. And I said, well, well, Tim, you know, you, you know, you're a good friend and, and here I'm going to lend you my filter before I've ever even looked through it. And, mm-hmm. and he took it and, and he ended up dropping it on the gravel. Oh, and no. chipping it. <laughs> so he was, he felt really bad, but uh, it didn't bother me. He, he did so much great work on my gear over the years that it, that didn't phase me at all. And it was way on the edge. So it wasn't a big deal, but <laughs> it was always a little bit loose in the cell after that. Um, but the H beta from, from Orion, uh, telescope and binocular, I, I thought it was, it's awesome. I still really like it a lot and it's less expensive, but they have these weird filter threads and, uh, sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't fit in right. So I've done a ton of H beta observing, but, uh, this year I, I upgraded to the, uh, to the Teleview it's called a Nebu star, or I like to call it a Neb buster. 
because that's kind of <laughs> that, that's how I read it. And yeah, so I headed out one night and I was looking at like Orion's Loop and I was looking at uh, the California Nebula and I was looking at uh, I've looked at a whole pile of other things with it too. But those are kind of I did sketches of those two things, so those are like the the main things I was looking at that night. So yeah, I I really like the H beta filter. I I know it it's one of those things that people don't. Um, like to buy because they're expensive and they say there's limited objects, but boy, like nothing beats being able to cruise around the, uh, the, the Barnard's loop. And, and uh, yeah, I know not, not alone in that other friend, Bill Weir, he's been emailing me on, on using a set of H betas and a pair of binoculars. So I, I recommend getting it. Make sure you get the two inch though. eh? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I, the UHC I have is an astronomic, uh, UHC filter. Oh yeah. Those are really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful quality. I mean, they're, they're pricey, but you get what you pay for, I think. So yeah, so it it was definitely worth it. And I was like, well, I really like that filter. So maybe I'll stick with that brand for the other two. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Or maybe I can get a couple cheap ones just to hold me over until I can afford the more expensive ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, If you go ahead. Yeah. The, the, uh, UHC Nebustar, uh, that Teleview, uh, cells is made by astronomic and uh oh, you know yeah. i think the astronomic ones are are regarded as as top of the pile uh at least when i read cloudy nights that's what the consensus seems to be yep that's that's where i got my information from too <laughs> yeah 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 it definitely is worth it because you do you do end up owning them for a long time and like i said i i i really like the uh, the lumicons as well um but that that h beta from uh from Orion is awesome. And one thing I, I had thought about doing with the Orion ones is getting um, new um, rings for them that are like more standard rings. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you used to be able to buy those, but I, I looked for like a year and a half and I couldn't, they were never in stock and I could never get them. So I finally tossed in the towel and just bought new filters. So, but I still have them. So they're, they're good filters. It just, they, they wouldn't work in, um, one of my eyepieces that I wanted to use filters in. So that was, that was it for them, unfortunately. Yeah. Very cool. So do you have a refractor too, or just the Schmidt again, you have a six inch nude and the 12 inch Apertura. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a refractor, but I've, I think I've only used it once or twice. It was, it was early on when I got into astronomy and I was like, Oh, I wonder if other people are into astronomy around me. So I'm looking around and, not really finding much. I'm finding people selling, selling astronomy gear. And I came across like one of those, I think it was one of those Celestron first scopes, Mm. one of those refractors. I couldn't tell you the size or anything like that, but I went and I bought, bought that from somebody for like 25, $30 because they just wanted it out of their house. Yeah. And they were like, they only ever used it to look at the moon. And I was like, you're right on Lake Champlain looking over Lake Champlain where there's no light pollution. All you did was look at the, at the moon. <laughs> like, Oh yes, I will take this off your hands. <laughs> and do you, what do you mount that on? Uh, that came on just a, a whatever try. I think it was an all as tripod. Yeah. Yeah. But I, like I said, I never really used that. I think I used it a couple times just for like comparison views between that and the six inch Newtonian. Yeah. Maybe, you know what they were really doing with that? Tell us they were, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they were looking for champ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're out there looking for champ, never found them. So they wanted to get rid of it. That's it. They get rid of that. Anyway, champ, that that's pretty famous uh, sort of folklore sea monster in, in Lake Champlain that, uh, Anyway, those of those of us who grow it 
grew up out east, uh, sort of grew up knowing about. Cool. All right. I think we're getting towards time, folks. Shane, sorry, do you, do you have anything to hop in and uh, hop in with towards the end here? Uh, one one quick question for Mike, and that's, do you, do you sketch everything that you look at? Or is there sometimes you just put the pe- uh, uh, pad of paper and pencil away and just in, uh, just enjoy observing? Oh, uh, there's plenty of nights where I'll go out and I'll do like two or three sketches, but I'll look at four or five different objects. I'll mm-hmm. still spend a lot of time looking at them. Like, um, like the double cluster, that's something I want to sketch, but I'm kind of afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll just sit there and I'll stare at it and I'll go, yeah, I'm not going to sketch that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a lot of stars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an intense part of the sky. If you're a sketcher, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> and, and I don't like to leave things out. So if I notice a really faint star, I try to add that into my sketch as the best I can. So I, I can't just do I, I don't want to say I'm a perfectionist, but I'll see that field of stars and I'll see all the bright stars and I'll get all those places. I'm like, well, that just doesn't look good by itself. So now I got to start adding some of the dimmer stars. And, and then by the time I'm done, I'm probably like five days into sketching the, the, the double cluster. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, so no, I, there's definitely been plenty of nights where I've, I've gone out and I've observed more than I've actually sketched. Cool. Cool. Any, yeah. any questions for us, Mike? We've been kind of dominating the airwaves here with uh, questions for you. Uh, the only question I have is when are we going to get Shane to do some sketches? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't yeah. I give you a sketching package, Shane? I know. I've got the pad of paper <laughs> sitting beside me. I've got pencil. I've been, I even bought a case for an for update these. on this to hear. Oh, yeah, I went out and I finally did a sketch. <laughs> you know, I, I've thought about it a couple of times when I've gone out in the backyard. I thought, you know, I should probably grab that pad of paper and pencil. And then I think, mm, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go upstairs. <laughs> so maybe this year, no commitment, but maybe this year. Cool. <laughs> well, I can, I can suggest maybe try a sunspot. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, those, those are pretty simple. That That's the one thing actually is solar observing uh, that yep. really intrigues me for sketching, particularly with hydrogen alpha. Yeah, um, because it's never the same ever, right? Yeah, so and it's constantly it, changing. Like even between yeah. like now and two hours later, it's different. Yeah, and it, I find it difficult to record a solar observation just with words because mm-hmm. it's hard to describe really what you're seeing. And I thought, uh, like, I at one point I was going to uh, go down like a simple imaging path to capture H alpha images, but really the answer I think is sketching, and and that's the most intriguing use case for me. So perhaps this summer. Yeah. And po- I, I think that would be poetry. a good idea. I mean, it's, it's during the daylight, you'll be able to see you'll, you have less lighting issues. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's probably going to be warmer during the day. So <laughs> I, don't know. I definitely think that's a good place to start yeah, you're, with you're, your, with your sketching. Are you in sales, Mike? Cause this is no, working on should me. Wasn't it Jack Horkheimer who was the star hustler? Wasn't that his Anyway, that, that was his other, that was his other name. Yeah. You know, that, that's really good advice. Um, because when, um, Kathleen was, was first showing me how to sketch, that's what she did is she showed me in the day, uh, sketching the sun and yeah. that's kind of sort of, which is strange because I'm really not that much of a solar observer. And she was like, no, no, come over and watch this kind of thing. And <laughs> so I just sat there and started asking her questions. Then I could really kind of see her sort of daylight technique. And then, and then at night, I was able to go out with uh, Mark Bratton, who wrote the book on the Herschel objects and kind of see how 
how he sketches. And I mean, my, my sketches take a little bit longer, but you know, what, what he can sketch in 15 minutes would take me a couple hours to do on my desk. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's really good advice, uh, Mike. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, I also just wanted to say for anybody who's just getting into sketching, don't beat yourself up if you don't like the sketch. I don't like a lot of my early sketches. And like I was saying with M13 and some of my newer sketches, I, I don't like those either. Just just keep sticking with it. The most important part is that you're out there, you're enjoying the night sky, you're you're observing, and you're starting to notice details about objects you've never noticed before. That's the most important part with sketching in my mind. The 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 sketch itself is is nice to look back on and be like, oh, I remember that and and have memories of the night. So I just wanted to say that if if you're getting into sketching and you're and you're struggling because you don't feel like you're an artist, just stick with it. it it's it's really beneficial to have that that knowledge that you gain just from from sketching and observing for a longer period than just a quick look at an object. Well, I think that's a very beautiful and elegant way for us to conclude this this episode. So uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Mike. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. I had a lot of fun. All right. And in closing, uh, be sure to check out Mike Rector's Adirondack Astronomy channel. And Adirondack is spelled A-D-I-R-O-N-D-A-C-K. Yep. He's at Adirondack Astronomy channel on YouTube. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.